Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Blazers for Goalposts. Today, Joe and I are joined by Franck Gaudreau. Franck began his football career with Racing Club de Lens in France before making the move to England with Middlesbrough, where he would become a household name to Premier League fans for years to come. Franck has also played for other top-flight clubs in England, a country where he ended up spending a decade living before he moved back to Lens and finished his professional career in his homeland. Since then, Franck has been involved in coaching as well as football agency, and currently he runs tailor-made sports outings and seminars for M&Q events. And from the looks of things, you might be more likely to catch Franck on the fairway playing golf than on a football pitch these days. Franck, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for welcoming me. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm just curious, Franck, where did that interest in golf come from? And would you consider yourself a golfer these days? Or is it just a hobby? No, I think I, I take uh, golf very seriously nowadays. I think uh, that replaced a little bit football. Football is still passion, but uh, I think golf takes more time now than football nowadays. But uh, obviously that's why I make those events, like you say, and thank you for making a bit of commercial for me. And few events, you know, I'm, I'm associated with the next uh, teammates, the former teammates in Lens, Daniel Moreira, who spent his career in France. Uh, good goal scorer, prolific good score, goal scorer. And uh, now, yes, it's more golfing than football. I try, we try to, to do our, the best uh, of both. It's just a strange question, but I know you were left back by trade. Are you left-handed? Actually, I'm left-handed, but I play a golf like a right hand. Interesting. Hmm. I'm terrible, terrible at golf, so it doesn't matter which hand I play with. You would absolutely destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, likewise, I'm not the best at golf. But yeah, Frank, many thanks yeah, for joining us. Yeah, if you want to come to England, give you some lessons and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might we might have to, I think, if we want to improve our golf. I think we'll have to come. But yeah, like, like I said, Frank, many thanks for joining us. And um, as someone who was born in Paris, did you watch the PSG match last night? And what are your thoughts following their famous win? Like you said, I'm born in Paris as well. You know, some... I'm, Start my football career over there, but uh, uh, I would say uh, Paris did extremely well. You know, they didn't let uh, Leipzig play their football. You know, uh, they they have the the end of the game. That's it. You know, like uh, they they had possession and they create and they and they scored goals. So that's uh, that killed them a little bit. What do you make of Mbappe? It's a bit early, obviously, but is he going to be the best ever? The best ever French player? It's going to be tough, to be fair, you know, like, uh, he's, he's got uh, totally uh, different skills, you know. For me, the best was Zidane, to be fair, because he can make anybody around him look very good. <laughs> that's the thing. He makes he makes uh, football look simple as well. So that's the, the most thing. So obviously, he hasn't got the skill of speed and like Mbappe had, but, but the main thing is to, if you make, the team better when you play, that's, that makes you a talented player, best player. Just going to throw it back to your childhood for a moment, Frank. What was it that initially drew you into playing football as a kid in the first place? And when was it that you knew that you wanted to turn it into a career? To be fair, I only played football in my whole life, I would say. Like, uh, that was a passion as a, as a kid. And I just actually uh, started walking. Uh, I was like maybe uh, 
I don't know, I was just maybe a year or so. And uh, the dog actually had a dog when I was small and he just pushed the ball to me and I was kicking him back. So uh, I started there to be fair, start early. <laughs> but, uh, and my, the first coach I had was my dad. So that helps as well. Was your dad a keen footballer? Did he play a lot? No, actually, he was a rugby player. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think in the family, I'm the bad apple because uh, all my cousins, all my cousins are rugby players. The only one who did football. Joe and I, we went to a school where rugby was not huge, but it was decent. But you wouldn't find me and Joe playing rugby ever. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we certainly feel you, well, you, you obviously made the right choice given your career, Frank. But um, a year or so um, before you made your professional debut, France obviously won the World Cup and then in 2000 would go on to win the European Championships too. As a young footballer during that time, how much did um, your country's success inspire your own career? Uh, it started a little bit. Uh, before that, because uh, I'm sorry, Kai, but uh, I didn't answer the, the, the full question. When you start, in, you're thinking, you, I wanted to turn that passion into my profession. It's actually when I first arrived in Lens, you know, as an academy boy. Uh, I was 16, and then I said, listen, now I, I'm going to give, I'm going to give a chance and try to, to, to get uh, my, from my passion this, um, profession so yeah it was at 16 so it was just before that actually France won everything because I arrived in Lens it was in 96 and one of my football hero and like yeah icon guys was Eric Cantona so that helps a lot for me to to make the right move in England. Were you a left back when you joined the Lens Academy or did your game develop? No actually I was a, a centre mid uh, yes, I was like a towering, like a defensive midfielder, just uh, you know, getting the ball in front of uh, of the back, the central back, and uh, yeah. The, but uh, obviously, for for the quality of my left foot, it put me on the uh, on the left side, and and from there, you know, to be fair, I won't complain because I become professional as a left back. So <laughs> yeah, you didn't do too bad, <laughs> to be yeah, fair. Yeah, all right. <laughs> During your early days in first-team football at Lons, you had some really talented teammates, the likes of Stefan Dalmat, Olivier Dacour, and El Juf, to name just a few of them. Just how exciting was it to come straight out of the academy and then to find yourself playing in that team? Yeah, you know, uh, we had some, those type of players you said, but obviously, and, you know, Lons is a, is a, a difficult area, you know, to to, I would say, to grow up is a little bit industrial, is a little bit, uh, you know, it's like a bit of Middlesbrough, to be fair. So that's why I felt, I felt uh, at home at Middlesbrough, because, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's labor, you know, you have to hard work, you know, it's, the money is, is, is a problem in the area, you know, like, and uh, it's, it's a little bit the similarity with loss. So that's why it was important for me, you know, to, to, to find the right club for me to move in England. And I find it, uh, just brought up the best club for me to start in England. Much like yourself, Frank, actually many of your teammates from Lons, those guys who I mentioned earlier, and then some other ones, did end up in the Premier League in the early 2000s along with yourself. You mentioned Eric Cantona being a bit of an inspiration and maybe something that drew your attention to English football 
um, when you were younger, but what do you think it was about English football at the time that was so attractive to your teammates or just other players from Europe to be moving to the Premier League at that time? But it was for me the the passion, you know, when I was looking, you know, on, on TV, all the, you know, we have a show on a TV show on a Sunday night. They were doing like um, all the championship in Europe, you know, Italian, uh, the Calcio uh, in Espana, uh, in in England, in Germany and stuff. And I was, I was just waiting for England to come and see the atmosphere in the stadium. And it was just incredible. So um, I always wanted to to play uh, uh, in England, and I think it was destiny because uh, the only good uh, at school I was English and sports. So <laughs> we are going to talk about your time at Middlesbrough, Frank. But just going back to that first season at Lon, um, you managed to score a last-minute winner against Marseille, I believe, which I imagine must have. Yeah, been a, a fantastic moment for a player starting his career. So I was just interested if you could describe how that moment felt. And also, do you have a particularly fond memory from your first spell playing at Lawn? Actually, the first pair we were just, uh, we were playing uh, Montpellier. That was my first 15 minutes. And uh, actually, the club was struggling. Uh, we were nearly uh, in a relegation zone or maybe in the relegation zone. And uh, actually, uh, I came on the last 15 minutes to double up with the left back. So I played the uh, left mid. And uh, Johan Lachaud, who is my best mate now, uh, we started, uh, well, I started my career with him. And uh, it was difficult because I tried uh, to not make a player straight away. <laughs> and I missed <laughs> So, and he cashed it back. So that's the... That's why I kept that uh, that memory from this game and the goal from Marseille was just uh, unreal. I think it was uh, the last game of uh, in '99 or something like that, the last game of the season. So the last game of the like uh, before 2000 in France, uh, but uh, not in England because you played through the winter. But in <laughs> France, it was the last game, you know. But uh, it was just crazy because uh, I scored it. But uh, you didn't realize it because the stadium was a silence. The silence in the stadium when I scored, it was incredible. Was it, it at just, the uh, Stade Velodrome or it was at the Lons? No, at Stade Velodrome. It was away okay. at Marseille. Marseille, they were struggling. From the final whistle, we had to run into the dressing room. Yes, because we were receiving some coins, some batteries, oh. some stuff. It, that was crazy. Even the the Marseille player was uh, were targeted, so so that's why I remember that as well. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like if someone would have probably ran onto the pitch, they could have picked up a few a few euros or a few franc in uh, in coins that had been <laughs> been thrown at people. But what a way that's to end the millennium! Probably the gardener, the gardener take that. Oh yeah, the groundsman. <laughs> yeah, that must have been his tip. So, yeah, obviously, we've spoken a bit, Frank, about those early stages of your career at Long. We're now going to move on to talking about Middlesbrough, a club you obviously played for for a few years. So, you initially moved to Middlesbrough on a season-long loan. And I know you've already said that, actually, uh, Middlesbrough, in some ways, was quite similar to Long, the actual place, which probably, I'd imagine, helped when adjusting to living in a new city, in a new country. But how was that first season for you playing in England? How different was it playing in the Premier League to playing in Ligue 1? 
that was just uh, uh, I would say the the speed, the the um, the, the intensity, you know, the contact and stuff. You know, in France, it's it's like uh, um, it's okay uh, if you blow on someone, he's going over, and then it's a foul. But um, you know, I would say in England, uh, the good thing is when you go hundred percent, the guy in front of you going hundred percent as well, and we're going for the good reason, not to to make uh, the guy uh, up front, you know, like uh, to break his leg or whatever. It just you want to go to for the ball, for the ball, and that's that's uh, that's the difference, I, I would say. England, uh, the the intensity of the challenge and stuff like that, and that makes the difference. That that makes you run as well <laughs> a little bit more. But uh, that's the one in the atmosphere in the stadium. But uh, I would say if one one day you got a chance to come uh, in France and go to see a Lance game when the COVID obviously will be finished in the open. And uh, I tell you what, it's a good atmosphere too as well, yeah. I'd love to catch a game in the north of France one of these days. Yeah, when the time's right. Franck, at the end of your third season with Borough, you won the League Cup. And then a couple of years later, you also played in the UEFA Cup final too. How enjoyable was that period of football just within your career? How did that spell compare to the rest of it? It's hard to to explain, to be fair, because uh, that's the only trophy I had in my, in my in my locker, I would say. But uh, now very proud actually for Middlesbrough, because I, as I said earlier to you guys, and uh, Middlesbrough is quite similar than Lens. I wanted to do something when I came back to France, you know, uh, that uh, I finish. I try to finish my career in Lens. I finish in Resta in in Paris, but uh, I wanted to finish in Lens and to and win something with Lens to, you know, to, to, to make the circles right. But uh, obviously I didn't, but uh, that's why I'm proud for Middlesbrough because they're two similar teams. And uh, I'm very proud for, for that, that uh, what we achieved because I'm not alone, obviously, that's a team. And that's a, the staff as well. And, uh, and Steve Gibson, obviously, gave us the chance to, to work all together. What about that borough side at the time? Like I mentioned, you won a trophy, you got to a cup final, a European cup final. What was so special about that team? And given how you did win a trophy and get close to winning another one, do you think that that side had more potential? Um, were you a bit disappointed that you didn't achieve even more when you were playing at Middlesbrough? Yeah, I think uh, we, we quite had uh, a cup team, to be fair. And uh, at the end, uh, you know, on, on one game, we could, like, turn a situation like no one could. But uh, we did it twice, to be fair, to, to reach the final, in quarterfinal and semifinal. But uh, it was just incredible moments. And uh, I, I wish you guys to leave that, uh, that emotion. I remember watching your guys' cup run, and I think, what is it, the Roma and Basel games that you're talking about? Were those the ones where you had the turnarounds? Or... No, that was uh, Basel and Bucharest. Roma was uh, uh, before in a, in a group stage. Okay. We've spoken about it on this podcast before, but what was it, Macaroni, Hasselbank, Yakubu? Viduka. You just blew teams away when you needed it. You just came up with the goods. How good was the spirit, particularly going into those European nights that season? Did you guys really just believe that you were unbeatable? Like I said, we were like, uh, we had a good staff. 
and we were all on the same boat and we were all in the same direction. So that's the, sometimes, you know, uh, when not playing, it's hard, you know, especially those big games is very difficult, you know, but uh, even the, the subs, I would say, they were all behind the team. They were all helping. And that's, that's, that's the difference. You know, all the youngsters we had, they were like focusing and on, on the team. And that's why we were like uh, fighting for each other. That's the difference we had. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the level of success you experience with Middlesbrough is fantastic. And actually, Frank, funnily enough, um, my great uncle played for Middlesbrough um, back in the... Um, in the 40s and the 50s um, and I know for the fact he was I mean he, he's passed away now but he, I know how passionate the fans are up in Middlesbrough so it's great that you were part of so many special memories for that group of fans. During your time at Borough you were coached by Steve McLaren obviously um, and you played with Gareth Southgate who well one is the current England manager and one managed England so obviously McLaren's spell didn't go to plan whilst um, Southgate has done really well. I mean, have their, both their respective successes and failures surprised you? Uh, what have you made of both their England spells? I'm not at all surprised of uh, the success of Gareth Southgate because uh, as a captain, it was just like uh, incredible. You know, he didn't have to, to shout too many times, but every time he was like uh, talking to us, it was like justifying everything. But uh, he didn't have to talk too much because he was showing us the way on the field, you know, put the foot down and tackle or catch up a, a mistake that we made and, and stuff like that. It was like uh, so regular, so uh, consistent uh, in his game, in his football, uh, that uh, actually that's he lead us by example. Just going back to Steve McLaren, I mean, obviously he did so well at Middlesbrough. What, what do you think went wrong for him at England? Do you think it was just a bit of bad luck or do you think it just wasn't the right job for him? Do you have any thoughts on what happened there? I would say Middlesbrough. He had the, all his assistant and staff and stuff that he chose uh, very uh, carefully. He's, he's very clever and man manager. Steve is very competent, I would say. But uh, he didn't have luck. Uh, it's just when he took England, when he took the, the manager role, actually it was the, the end of an era player was like retired the youngster were not that good as well so it was a bit uh, between the two generation and to be fair he, he, he was like catapult here and say try to do your best but they didn't give him time to to do his best because you know like you say in Middlesbrough he took the job three years later Middlesbrough had never won something three years later we were like we won the, the Carling Cup, and after that, we make it European. We finished the highest position in the league, the fourth year. and the fifth year, we managed to reach the UFA Cup final. So I would say that if we give him time, he can make stuff happen, you know. But uh, they didn't give him time. So that's why they, it was like, I was a bit sad to be fair for him. It's not just at Middlesbrough either where he's been successful. He obviously was brilliant when he moved to the Netherlands. And I, I don't know if he only had one spell. He might even have had two spells with Twente. Clearly, he's an adaptable guy. Did he just as well? Uh, did he not win the league or something? FC Twente, yeah, he won the league. 
you mentioned he's probably a good man manager and it sounds like it was just potentially yeah some bad timing or didn't have the talented players at his disposal yeah, the bad timing yeah one of those players actually though that he did have at his disposal i'm going to mention now and we spoke about middlesbrough's success in the sort of mid 2000s Stuart downing was a key player in those teams as well as being a homegrown talent of course so to the Middlesbrough fans, I, I would only imagine he was, must have been a favourite. But what was it like playing with Stuart, especially given that he was often playing directly ahead of you on the left? I saw him like, uh, I would say, when I came, he was an academy boy, you know. And to be fair, uh, at the time I spent in Middlesbrough, the academy was just fantastic under uh, Dave Panabi. It was just crazy, you know. And uh, we had youngsters with talents, incredible. That many uh, youngsters, that was uh, just incredible, the work they did there. <clears throat> but uh, Stuart Downing, he was like easy to play with. Hard worker in front of me, you know, coming, help us, coming to defend and, you know, to take the, and try to defend with me. So, and uh, obviously, uh, it's always a pleasure, you know, the guys up front of you can rely on. It's, uh, it's always good, you know, and it had the same behind me with Gareth Housegate. So I was like quite lucky to have them both. And Stu Downing, obviously, you, you know the, this quality is uh, left peg. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> if you want a good cross, you just give the ball to Stu Downing and I think you, you got it. It's a bit of David Beckham. Frank, you got a decent left foot. You, you could always whip in the crosses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, I think he had he had something because he was doing with the uh, with pace, taking on people just a step and then cross. That quality I didn't have, but uh, he could cross like uh, on one step. That that was his strength. Do you think he was one of those players that was too left-footed? Obviously, his left foot was incredible, but was he a bit predictable, or did it not matter because he was such a good athlete? Even if the defender knew what he was going to do, he would get past them. The thing is, at, at, at first, we, we work on that. At first, it was a bit predictable. And uh, as the years, you know, to going on, it was like better because he was coming in on his right foot after, you know, so it, it was a bit less predictable, to be fair. And, uh, you know, uh, that like Adam Johnson had straight away. Adam Johnson was like, on one-on-one, -on -one, it was... He was tricky to get him. He was a very, very talented footballer. No, he, he certainly was. And obviously, things off the field haven't gone as well for him. But obviously, Frank, we've spoken about your time at Middlesbrough and you were clearly part of a, well, probably one of the most successful teams in Middlesbrough's history. Clearly... I'm proud of it. But since, um, since you left the club in 2006, clearly things haven't really been going as well on the pitch as they were back when you were there so there's there's been a couple of relegations and I know last year in particular was um, a tough season for Middlesbrough and what I was just interested in is why do you think um, Middlesbrough have struggled more in the last few years but also moving forward under the stewardship of Neil Warnock do you think he'll be the manager to turn things around? I hope so I don't know enough Neil uh, to, to, to talk about it you know I didn't follow too much his career but uh, uh, I trust Steve Gibson to, 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 to do the right thing for the club, as he always did, uh, and he always do, I would say. But 
I don't know. I don't know him personally, or I didn't follow his path and, and stuff. So it's hard to 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 judge for me. You know, I don't like to to talk about it. But uh, obviously, uh, if uh, he's got the trust of Steve Gibson, I think he can be good. But uh, after it's up to the players, up to the fans to get and stick behind the the, the team and uh, and support them the best they can. You mentioned Steve Gibson, who's you know widely regarded as one of the most loyal chairmen in the game and is widely respected um, across the football world. So why do you think in the last sort of 10 to 12 years, even slightly longer at Middlesbrough, things just haven't been going as well on the pitch? Is there anything you can put your finger on why their fortunes have changed since those sort of glory days of your spell there? I don't know. But uh, the one thing I can say it and, and rely on is maybe... Uh... A change of, uh, I would say, the um, players. You know, maybe the players nowadays are more like uh, mercenary than club military. So that's maybe the difference. After your time with Borough, you spent a season in London with Fulham before moving on to Birmingham, where the club had mixed fortunes of relegation in your first season, followed by immediate promotion back to the Premier League in your second, in which you were a very pivotal player in the side. Besides the drama on the pitch, owners David Gold and David Sullivan were also quite notoriously outspoken characters in the boardroom. What effect did this type of interference from the owners have on the players at the time, if any? During the season, to be fair, they were coming, I would say, to to come and encourage us and stuff like that. But uh, never, uh, you know, uh, tell the, the manager to do this or to do that. Uh, no, they were like, uh, they had a step back. It was during the the break, the summer break and stuff. They were like a bit like uh, chatty, but that's normal. Why do you think it is then that, for instance, David and David get such a bad reputation in the media? David Sullivan? Yeah, David Gold and David Sullivan. I'd say between the two of them, over the past few years, typically if you see their face on TV or whatnot, it's usually not the most positive kind of build-up or introduction that they're given, I'd say. Yes, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult for me to say because I, I, I was directly uh, uh, targeted by David Sullivan at one point. And, uh, but uh, it, was, it wasn't uh, by the way I played, but... Uh, the guys who recruited me. So he was like fighting another battle through us. So that was, uh, that was a bit difficult that time. Uh, that's say that's uh, actually, but uh, we had an argument through media, actually. But uh, it just, uh, that's just gone now. It's, it's okay. David Gold is always, uh, always been good. Uh, with the team and stuff, never. but uh, I think uh, David Sullivan is a passionate guy, and what he does is that sometimes he's, uh, he speaks uh, before he thinks. So, yeah, we, to be fair to us, probably speak before we think on this podcast sometimes, but luckily we can edit it later, <laughs> so we just we just delete it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, one of the perks of um pre-recording a podcast not doing it live but um obviously we just spoke a bit about Birmingham I know Frank you had a, a brief loan spell at Colchester but then you did eventually return back to Lyon in your country in France and how did it feel kind of going back to Lyon now as one of the more experienced players in the team compared to um your first spell there where you know your career was starting and you were trying to make a name for yourself did you enjoy being one of the more experienced head in that Lyon side? 
Actually, I would, uh, I'm going to say yes, because uh, like I say, uh, we had very uh, young, talented players in the team. When I came back to Lens, uh, as Raphael Varane, for one, Serge Aurier, Kondogbia, Hazard. We had quite some good lads, you know, some good players. And uh, so I was the chaperone of that. So it was good. <laughs> yeah, so... Despite a challenging first season back at Lons, which culminated in relegation to Ligue 2, during the two seasons that you spent back in the north of France, you did play alongside some players, you've even mentioned them, who have gone on to become you know, prominent features at top clubs across Europe. Aurier, Condogbia, Thorgan Hazard, Varane. In particular, sticking on Raphael Varane. You would have been playing in defence with him. And obviously he's gone on to win everything that you can win in football, including the Champions League multiple times, and then the World Cup as well. I think he's 26 or 27, so he's still got years in the tank. What were your memories of working with Raphael, and is he the biggest talent that you've ever played with in your career? I'd like to say a defender, yes. He was just incredible, you know? He was like a sponge. Like, that's what I call him, the sponge. Why? Because uh, you were, like, telling him something to help him, or... You tell him, if you have the choice, you look that, you do, you do this, you do that. He was never talking back to us, you know, the experienced player. But he was doing it and learning from there and learning from there. And that's why I call him the sponge. He was taking everything, keep it, you know, and to progress and stuff. So he did actually 20 games for Lens in League 2, you know, or League 1 before we get relegated. 20 games. And we sold him for 10 million to Madrid. So if you do the ratio, it's not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Yeah, it's what, half a million? You said 10 million? Half a million, what, again. Half a million a game? <laughs> That's, yeah, building not up some decent stock. Or maybe he had, yeah, the likes of senior pros like yourself to thank, giving him a bit more of a focus. It was just easy because, you know, we tell him, we tell him, that he's got his as well, his instinct. Uh, he's got uh, the power. He's got the jump. He's got the, the accuracy of his pass. He's got, he's got everything. But that we didn't teach him. He has that in him. So it was just uh, easy to, to work with because he was clever and learning very quickly. Well, let me ask you, Frank. I'm curious, as I'm an Arsenal fan, uh, in theory, we've maybe signed the second coming of Raphael Varane, a French player called William Saliba from Saint-Étienne. Are you familiar with Saliba's career? And do you have any opinion on the ceiling that he might have compared to someone like a Varane? Uh, no, I don't know him. I'm sorry, but uh, but if Arsenal got an eye on this guy, I just wanted to say that he's a potential uh, international French player. I think so. Yeah, at the very least, probably. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm probably hoping his career doesn't go quite as well, but you know. And you're still friends. Yeah, well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just interested, Frank. You said um, Varane was the best defensive player you played with. Who was the best sort of non-defender you played with in your career, would you say? I played with a few, to be fair. As a striker, I would say, you know, I played with a lot of, they got different quality and stuff. But, uh, you know, Jimmy was like uh, his positioning. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, I would say, okay. positioning. And he was always in the right place, you know, uh, to flick the ball or whatever. After technically, you know, I played with Joseph Job, that's uh, completely different. Uh, Zila Nemeth uh, in Middlesbrough. Uh, I played with Antoine Sibierski as well uh, in Lens before he, as well. 
joined uh, City, Manchester City, uh, play with Olivier Dacourt, like you said, uh, before he joined Leeds. Uh, so quite a few there. But it's hard to, to, to pick one because I play with talent, but different, uh, different position, different things. It's hard to say, you know. Yeah. And say, Franck, what about someone like uh, Juninho, who you would have played with at Borough? Was it kind of surprising? The guys, I don't know how tall he is, but not very tall is, is the point. Is it, is it kind of surprising to see such a diminutive kind of smaller guy, like a you know, Zola type kind of player, being able to just kind of run rings around all the big guys? I think he's four feet eight or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how tall he is, but uh, he's not big. Yeah, that's true. But uh, he was like a hard worker, like we had in uh, like another, you know, uh, Brazilian we had in a team, the River. Uh, it was like hard working. You know, uh, they were working on a pitch, on a training ground. He was working, uh, and on a pitch, he was never stopped running. He wanted the ball every time Juninho it was like easy to play with because uh, the guys always want the ball doesn't matter he's got his guy on his back on his little back <laughs> but uh, he always want the ball so uh, it was just a pleasure to play with and I'm glad I played with for his uh, I think second or third spell in Middlesbrough yeah he's a legend just like yourself at the Riverside Frank obviously we've um, we've spoken about your career now Kind of throughout the whole thing, really, and it's um, it's incredible how much you managed to pack into it. Um, obviously, your career included promotions, relegations, winning um the Carling Cup with Middlesbrough, and obviously the the heartbreak of losing the UEFA Cup final, but still getting to the UEFA Cup final, of course. Um, and then, as um we were just talking about now, you've played with a host of extremely talented footballers. But looking back. Is there anything you didn't experience or didn't do in your career that you would have liked to have done? Obviously, uh, play for a country, but uh, I've been on the bench and uh, like um, nowadays, it's, it's uh, you've got the French A international, you got the normal, the normal team. But before that, uh, when I, I've been called, it was like uh, the reserve team, I would say, the A uh, prime or prime, you know, and there was a. Uh, I played there against Germany, but I didn't come on, so doesn't count as a cap. I know there was a there was a time um, I think when you were at Middlesbrough where there was you explored the opportunity of playing for Ireland through your um, heritage. I know it didn't didn't quite work out in the end because it was um, a great grandparent and as opposed to a grandparent. But do you still if Ireland are ever playing the tournament? Would if France aren't playing, would you support Ireland or what's your kind of relationship with them these days? I think. Uh, France against Ireland, it's difficult to, to pronounce because uh, obviously I've got ancestors in Ireland. And, uh, uh, but uh, I support Ireland when they came to, uh, obviously, for, for the Euro. It was just incredible. Uh, the guys uh, make the atmosphere of this European uh, Cup uh, fantastic. And uh, I wanted to, uh, to play for Ireland through the my granddad but he was a bit sick at the time actually so uh, I, I could do it I could play for for Ireland but uh, actually my granddad asked to go to the and ask for the Irish nationality through his granddad so obviously uh, I didn't ask him because he was a, a little bit sick so and like you said it's a shame you didn't play but the circumstances were the circumstances but 
that actually brings us to the end of our interview today. I just want to thank my co-host, Kaitel, and of course, a special thanks to Frank for being such a wonderful guest. So Frank, um, have you got any final words for our listeners? Or perhaps have you got any news you can share about M&Q events? Maybe we can get a few of our listeners playing golf with you. I just wanted to, for the Middlesbrough fan, uh, just as, as well to congratulate uh, Fulham as well to get promoted, obviously. Some are happy, some are sad. But, uh, and uh, I just want to say to the Middlesbrough fan that I will come, uh, I will try to come more often to, to Middlesbrough and, and, and get uh, the support that they deserve. And uh, hopefully this season will be just a, a good season to get pro- straight promotion because they deserve to be in the Premier League, to be fair. And for MQ Evans, I just wanted to say that uh, I can do everywhere, England, anywhere, and abroad as well. can get initiation for golf anywhere. If we do come and play golf with you, you, you don't bet on it, do you? Or you do? <laughs> we will bet against. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think, I don't know if we're going to be allowed to bet because you, you'll just take all of our money. So we might have to make a, a gentleman's agreement that we'll just play for the sport. No, we'll, we can play for paint. Paint? <laughs> okay, that... That sounds good, yeah. Around, around at the pub. That, that's not a bad bet. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, thanks a lot, Frank. We really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. For everybody listening, remember to follow us on Twitter at BlazersFGPod or on Instagram or Facebook at Blazers for Goalposts. That's all for now, everybody. Goodbye.